Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Tuesday morning, Bo Thompson, Beth Troutman, thank you so much to Aaron Santos for joining us last hour, uh, getting the word out about ISF, the Isabella Santos Foundation, and the event coming up two weeks from today at Carmel Country Club. If you want more details on that, isabellasantosfoundation.org. And Beth's going to be emceeing that morning. So I will. Great uh, addition to what's going on there. And uh, in studio now is our good buddy, uh, Brett Jensen, on a Tuesday. How you doing, my friend? Pretty good, pretty good. You guys doing all right? We're doing well. We're doing well. We've been talking this morning about a lot of things. But uh, in particular, uh, early on, I was talking about a day that I'll never forget because today is actually the five-year anniversary of uh, me sitting in this room when this happened. And we have breaking news at 826. If you've just joined us within the last five minutes, we've learned that evangelist Billy Graham has died at the age of 99. So almost five years to the T, to the, to the hour there, when um, Billy Graham passed away at the age of 99. And uh, I can't believe it's been five years. I mean, really, 28... It's t- if you would have asked me how long it's been, I don't know that I would have said five years. I know. It feels, it feels like it's only been a, a couple of years. But I, I think with the, the pandemic changed everyone's perception of time. To me, it still feels like it's 2019, mm-hmm. 2020. I don't know how it became 2023. I don't know where all of the years went. But we got to talking earlier in the show, and I wanted to uh, continue this conversation at least to a degree with Brett. <laughs> Uh, because Brett obviously has his show uh, at 7 o'clock every weeknight, and Brett, uh, breaking Brett Jensen. I mean, you're you're following stories all the time. But uh, this is easily, since I've been on the air, I started in 2012 in this particular role, uh, it's the biggest story uh, that has ever broken while I've been on the air. Biggest story that I've ever covered uh, in this seat. And it's one of those stories that I knew was coming because he was in his mid-'90s when— when I, I started in 2012, and, and anybody, uh, and not just locally, but of course hyper local because of Charlotte and the Billy Graham Library and his connections here to North Carolina, uh, all of us here uh, over the last decade knew that this story was coming, and you know newsrooms were preparing, and you didn't know quite when. But I remember very vividly, um, uh, shortly after I took over, uh, one one holiday season, there's a reporter in town that happened to see Franklin Graham leaving Charlotte Douglas Air- Airport and stuck a microphone in his face as he was getting into the car and said, how's your father doing? And uh, the response was, I'm paraphrasing a bit, but he essentially said, my father is ready to be with the Lord. Uh, and in retrospect, what he was saying was, my father has made peace. He's He's if, if tomorrow is the day, then he's ready. He's ready to be with God. And some reporters took that to mean Billy Graham is on his deathbed and, and his death is imminent. Uh, in reality, he lived for several more years. But all of us uh, during that period of time knew that uh, this story, because of his uh, his age, was, was going to happen. And when it did happen, was going to be just a global story, and it was. And so five years ago today, there I was in the middle of the regular show, and um, in the span of about five minutes, we went from that regular show yeah. to really what lasted for the uh, better part of the next two weeks and culminated with a seven-hour broadcast that we did uh, from the Billy Graham R- Library when we broadcast uh, the funeral and everything that led up to that. And of course, mm-hmm. President Trump was here that day and a lot of uh, dignitaries. So I think about uh, February 21st of 2018 a lot, 
And uh, I was asking Beth the question earlier, uh, is there a story when you were in uh, you know, all the things you've done? You've been on television, you've been on radio now, and you've spent a, a career in media. Is there that story that you think of that's the biggest one that ever happened while you were doing your thing? I think uh, the one that sticks out in my mind uh, was April 16th of 2007, and it was the Virginia Tech shooting. I was uh, the host of a morning show over at WCCB. It was called Fox News Rising at the time. And um, the, the thing that was um, that that I remember about it, of course, was the just the, the violence of that particular morning. But I happened to have that day off. Um, it was a pre-planned day off. So there there was someone filling in for me. But I was watching the show as I was getting ready to go out about my day. Um, and so I remember watching that story break on my show and I wasn't there to um to talk about it and I felt my heart broke for the woman who was filling in for me because she was then forced into this situation to to talk about well, you know live breaking news is a difficult thing to do to begin with but when it's live breaking news with such tragic stories with such violence and such a such a heartbreaking scenario that that is is triply um difficult because it's uh, it's hard to contain your own human emotions and your own, uh, you know, reactions as you as you go through learning everything. And when you're on TV, you're learning all of that information as everyone else learns it as well. You're 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 giving that information as you learn it live. And it was that was a really, really, really tough day. But I know, Brett, you've been in media for longer than both of us. I'm sure that you have. That was not a blow. That was just <laughs> that's just meaning that you are very successful, my friend. Tell us about the old days. Tell us about the good old days, Grandpa. Well, so Morse code was this thing. It, it had just come out. Mm-hmm. SOS. So, yeah. So we're, <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. I thought you broke the story that Morse code was a thing. Yeah. Well, I, I interviewed Morse. Yeah. So it was a good thing. Morse. Um, Morse code. <laughs> It's a whole different kind of code. Yeah, that's right. M O R R I S. That's right. Completely different. Um, there were, I mean, there. Were, I mean, there were the sports things that happened, like the Virginia Tech thing. I had Clemson had just played at Virginia Tech like the week before on a Thursday night, and I was up at Blacksburg. I remember sitting down at Clemson um, in an establishment watch. Then all of a sudden, I came across, you know, or that morning it came across. I was eating bre- or breakfast or lunch, whatever I was It doing. was breakfast. It yeah. started at around like 7 a.m. Yeah. It was really early. So, but no, I mean, there's been a lot of big things that I've covered, a lot of it sports-wise and stuff like that. Obviously, I mean, I remember one of the last things I did for Fox Sports was I had to go cover, um, It was I was their live on-air reporter for all Fox Sports networks, and I'd never done live TV reporting before. I mean, I wasn't nervous. I just had never done it was when Cam Newton flipped his car. Oh. And I was stationed at the hospital for Fox Sports, FS1, Fox Sports, all the above, um, for probably a good eight hours. And um, and I remember it was, uh, it was like a, the very first moment I got there, and this won't take but 30 seconds, but the very first moment I got there, I get to the uh, atrium ER, and because that's where all the media is starting to congregate. And nobody knows how serious it is because this car is upside down. And so I walk in, and the security guard said, yeah. I said, where, you know, into the ER. I said, I said, hey, where are you taking all the media? Like, where do, where do we go for this Cam Newton thing? And they go, the security guard goes, follow me. <gasps> and he 
mistakenly puts me in the room with all the Panther execs. So it's Brett Jensen, the lone media guy, and all the Panther executives. <laughs> and Calvin, wow. Calvin Benjamin walks in, and a couple other people walk in, a couple other Panther people. And then all of a sudden I see one Panther exec text, and then another Panther exec picks up their phone, reads it. The one that got the text leaves the door, leaves the room, little tiny waiting room, Comes back with a security guard, and the security guard goes, yeah, man, you got to leave. You can't be in here. I was like, Dude, you're the one who put me here. Me Not here. my fault. <laughs> and so um, so then I was in there, and then, you know, then did the live stand-ups uh, with Fox Sports FS1 for two straight days. I always love it when uh, we're just about to go on the air, then Beth says to Jensen, did you hear about when I was making fun of you on the Brett Winterbull show? <laughs> I was going to, and I said, you got to be more specific than that. Well, actually, yes, you do, because I don't know what you're about to say. At least I don't think I do. No, you know, we do the crossing of the streams um, with uh, Brett Winterbull every day. And I, 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 I call in and, and chat with Brett on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And on Thursday of last week, um, the, the segment started. Brett Winterbull was talking about you. And then he started talking about jean shorts. And I was like, jean shorts and half tops. I was like, yeah, that's that's Brett Jensen's, um, you know, going out wardrobe. I just and, moved here from Florida. Exactly. I was like with his, you know, knee socks and sandals. And um, <laughs> but then just to just to show you how much I do pay attention attention to you and how well I know you, Brett Jensen. I said, that's actually a complete lie. Um, he is quite sartorial because you are a fashion person. You do dress well. And I, I like the fact that you are very willing to wear pastels. Well, I've never owned a <laughs> pair of jean shorts. So I know, you. I know. But it's just so fun. Because and of course, Winterbull is going to jump in and start immediately blasting me about something. Exactly. And we're buds, you know, you and I go shopping together and stuff. So I can totally like make fun of you. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but the thing is, you were making fun of me before we went shopping. So, yeah, you know. Well, you know, I kid because I love. Yeah, now you're like me. You don't need a reason. Right. You don't need a reason to it's make fun. It's because to know Brett Jensen is to make fun of Brett Jensen. It's great. There's a lot of that going on, I promise I you. I know. It's so easy. <laughs> Boy, I got to tell you, one of our, uh, you know, we, I get a lot of, we got a lot of feedback on, on segments, various segments that we do. Uh, the one last week with uh, your dating tips. Oh my goodness, boy! Uh, not only feedback from listeners, but you should have, you should have heard the um, the peanut gallery comments from I don't know Mark Garrison maybe yeah uh, he, mm. he he enjoyed that segment yeah he did. So you guys asked me if I'd ever been out on a date, first date on Valentine's Day. Two days later, I'm in contact with that person. And they're like, oh, my gosh. Like, of course, I didn't say the person's name, but obviously the person knew. And where had gotten back? And next thing you know, I was like, oh, you know, just just a quick reconnect because I hadn't spoken to that person in four years. It must and have been a bad date. No, it was a great date. <laughs> no, because this happened in 2010, you know, and we were and still this, friends. And this woman reached out? Just said, hey, um, I heard da 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 through the grapevine. Yeah. That you were talking about me? The first date and all that. Yeah, and she she knew that it was you. Because it's the only and one. And it was her. Yeah, because it's literally the only time I went on a first date. I can't remember. It was a first date on Valentine's Day. Day. Yeah. And so, so wait, she remembers. Yeah. When was the last time you had heard from her before this? Was it the 20, date itself? No, it was like March March 2018. Wow. March That's 2018. sweet. And so, so she remembered you fondly. Yeah, March 2018. No, I take that back. I take that back. The last, well, that was the last time I saw her in person. It was like for like a lunch. Um, the last time I had actually spoken to her was 
when Clemson won its first national championship, and I was down in Clemson, mm-hmm. and she had graduated from Clemson, and she's a big Clemson fan, and she saw my tweets and stuff on Facebook, and she sent me a text oh, message. Oh, she's still stuck in you online. Nah, she's still got nah. a crush on the Jensen. Well, that was my question was, so did this rekindle anything? Yeah. No, because I think her husband and her three kids might get in the way. Uh, okay, well, okay. well that changes everything. <laughs> Important context. No, yeah, no, there, no, there no, needed no, to no. be more con- That context <laughs> needed to come sooner, Brett Jensen. No, no, it was, but it was just, no, it was just, we just remained friends like like we'll go four years and we'll randomly run into each other or or something or if something happens <laughs> or and I'll something. Say, I like I'll send her a text message if I see something on Facebook I'll say oh by the way congrats or whatever so like but no it's um uh, so but yes that was uh so there, apparently there was a lot of feedback last week you were giving uh tips to people out there on mm-hmm. Valentine's Day last right. week and the very first tip you gave involved food that's right right you want to yep. what was that what was that number one the food, well, the thing was because guys don't put in a lot of effort into it. Like that night at when I got off the show, I did the show that night, my mm-hmm. show, and then I'm, I had to stop my teeter to actually get, like, pick up some stuff teeter. and uh, the Taj teeter. And then um, there were literally guys there buying flowers at 830 at night on their way home. I was in the teeter, too, and I saw the same thing because mm-hmm. I, 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 I got a little chuckle out of it because I actually did think of you because there were – Probably six guys in line in front of me in the self checkout, mm-hmm. all with boxes of candy and mm-hmm. all with little little things of uh, of flowers. Right, and so the the thing was, instead of doing that, just you should know your wife, fiance, or girlfriend's favorite restaurant and favorite meal, and just go by and get that to go and say, "Honey, don't worry about the dinner. I got it." Now, you know, maybe eight thirty is too late to eat at night, and the people were working late, but even so, you can still have that. And so I just. Uh, so that's the thing. I mean, it's easy and just pick up, you know, get her favorite meal to go from her favorite restaurant and you're good to go. It's better than flowers and crappy candy. When we come back, I'll read you the text that I got from the WBT news director Uh-oh. in response to rule number one. Yeah, I know uh-huh. what that is. Uh-huh. Uh, we're all, all going to know what that is in a minute. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love. Hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Golfers, join Narrowway Productions for Narrowway on the Fairway. Coming up March 20th, this charity tournament will be a best ball scramble at the private Firethorn Country Club. Register your team today at narrowwaygolf.com. Corporate sponsorships still available as well. That's narrowwaygolf.com. I was thinking about you yesterday, 5 o'clock hour. We were watching uh, breaking developments out of an area of the world that you frequented or I said frequented is the wrong word you actually uh, visited that's the word I want because uh, that was uh, I mean you haven't been there that many times but this was last summer and I thought about you because yesterday you knew exactly where the president was it was one year ago this week that we spoke on the telephone Mr. President it was very late at night in Washington very early in the morning here in Kiev Russian planes were in the air and tanks were rolling across your border you told me that you could hear the explosions in the background. I'll never forget that. 
and the world was about to change. I remember it vividly. So I thought about you for a number of reasons. Uh, you traveled there last summer, but when he was talking about they made the decision to uh, board the train and the 10-hour train ride, mm. you were talking to us last year about mm. how you had to get from point A to point B when you decided to go to the capital city. So uh, you know better than most what it entailed for them logistically to pull this off. Yeah, it was a nightmare, and I, I remember like talking to you guys. When I was Lviv, I'd just gone through the uh, I'd just gotten on my second bus through Poland, and I'd already been on the bus, God, 12, 13 hours at that point, and uh, was doing my first live discussion with you guys, describing what I was seeing when we were going through the streets of Lviv, and it was, what, a 21, 22-hour bus ride um, from Krakow, Poland, into Kiev, and then, because so much time of it was spent at the border, just trying to get through, and then the train ride out, from Kiev to Warsaw, I want to say took, what, 18 hours, 19 hours, 18 hours? And it was hot as blazes, and there wasn't any air conditioning, and it was just brutal. But it was still better than that damn bus, because at least I could lay on my little cot. Mm. And so I love that you just said it. You know, and, but, but, you know, but the, the mattress was vinyl, or I'm sorry, pleather. You know, the old, you know, the 70s and 80s cars, that's what it was like. And so they gave you some little flimsy seats so you wouldn't... St- stick to the bed itself the mattress itself because it was vinyl and it was hot it was like in the 90s so but yeah that's um that was a that was a i just remember getting in finally getting in when i got into warsaw i remember getting off that second train which i didn't have a seat for the last three hours of the train ride because they messed up on the ticket and i had to stand for the last three hours of the train ride and i stood you know where between the cars connect um, that little walkway, if you've ever been like in a subway or something like that. I stood there for three hours and sitting, trying to sit on my luggage and sat on the floor and I was near the bathroom and it was just brutal. And I just remember when we got into Warsaw at like six o'clock at night thinking to myself, what the hell am I, like, what is going on? Like, why, why am I doing this? Why did I put myself through this? I think a lot of people were, you know, wondering as you did the reports with us, you know, you were on vacation. This was your time off, and you were doing reports from a, a literal war zone. But to have your perspective, especially now, knowing that the president of the United States made a 10-hour train trek, I mean, of course, I'm sure it was a little more comfortable than your bus. And, and about half the time. Right. <laughs> right. Well, but I, you get a sense yeah. of what that journey, what the logistics of planning that journey meant. Because and who, you can't fly. Well, and they had to do every bit of this in secrecy. Yep. You know, and the other thing is, is that, you know, I still go back. I don't regret it because I thought it was a great thing to do with the whole, um, you know, part of the Franklin Graham situation. And we were, we were talking about Billy Graham earlier, being able to meet the heads of Samaritan's, the, the actual, the main guy of Samaritan's Purse and being able to sit in the hotel lobby for an hour and talk to him and interview him about everything, how all these bulletproof vests started with the Mecklenburg County Sheriff's Office, 30 of them, and how they had, went through Boone and Wataga and made their trek all the way over there. And I just thought that was really cool, and I thought that was a story worth telling between McFadden and Samaritan's Purse, which is right here in Charlotte slash Wataga and Boone, to, to over there in Kiev where I happened to be. So I just thought it was a good story to tell. Well, and I kept thinking yesterday as they were talking about the circumstances of President Biden deciding to do this, one of the things that you've done a great job over the last year uh, on your show, on this show, and in conversations 
uh, when you were there and with people that you met there. I mean, I thought of Yulia, uh, your friend, who was explaining to us what it was like that in the, just the days after yeah. uh, the attacks first happened. You know, Friday is the year anniversary. Yep. And uh, I was saying on this show yesterday that I couldn't believe um, – that if we had said one year ago, given what, what the scene was there, and even what you were told this summer when you went there, that the president of the United States would be on the ground uh, in the state capitol there one year later, a lot of people would have said, you're crazy. Um, but there he was. And, and you know, we, we saw a little bit of a, not a, a calming down is the wrong word. I mean, obviously there weren't, uh, um, it, it wasn't a, a, a daily war-torn area when you were going through there, but there was still the daily threat. And you talked about uh, the uh, the sirens going off and things that you had to do uh, while you were there. So, I mean, President Biden going there yesterday, it's this is not like a walk in the park. No, it's not. And, you know, and like, yeah, I mean, the war was still going on, but it was in the east and in the south and Crimea and the Donbass area. And, you know, and you can still see where all the shells were, you know, and having gone to some of the towns, paying that Uber driver $60 to spend like eight hours with me to take me to all these war-torn places, places that had just been demolished. Um, it, it was it was, it was was truly interesting. And, you know... Um, it's speak, a speak, human experience no, that's absolutely. beyond what we can imagine in a, a country where we pretty much feel safe day in, day oh, out. Right. And so, and Bo, you mentioned about Friday being the one-year anniversary, February 24th, and a kid that I met 15 minutes before going on your show, my first full day in Kiev, his name's Alex, and he's been on this show a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to have a nice long interview with him. You know, he's you know in, he's 20 years old now, and here he is, one full year. He's been trying to go to school full-time while mm-hmm. all this is going on. He's had to move two or three different times because of no electricity, no water, because... Putin's going after the infrastructure, so I'm going to have him on my show on Friday night. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. News Talk 1110 WBT, 10 before 10 o'clock here on The Great Colossus, talking to Brett Jensen, host of Breaking with Brett Jensen, every weeknight, 7 o'clock. Friday night on your show, uh, you broke some news, and we're talking uh, about a story that some people heading into the weekend may not have heard. I want to bring some attention to this because uh, there were some some significant developments on the Jane Doe case as it relates to Myers Park High School. And uh, real quick here, I don't have time to play all of this, but I'm going to play a clip. Talking with Laura Dunn, the attorney for the plaintiff in the Jane Doe case, the former Myers Park High School student that sued CMS and the city of Charlotte for violating her Title IX rights, and the appeals have been filed in federal court by the plaintiff and her lawyers. So Laura, what specifically are you guys trying to appeal on? What specifically are you looking at for the grounds of appeal? So there's a few components to our our appeal plan. Um, As we put forward in the notice, the the first things that really ended up kind of leading this case where it did uh, with the final verdict was dismissing Bradley Leak, the school resource officer assigned to Myers Park High School, and Assistant Principal Anthony Perkins from being defendants. The court ruled during summary judgment that because they were public officials, they were entitled to a level of immunity as a defense against our claims, which were of negligence, negligent affliction of emotional distress, um, violation of equal protection rights guaranteed by the Constitution, and most important in my mind, common law obstruction of justice. Uh, we put forward evidence that both these officials knew 
um, that Jane Doe was found covered in semen, disheveled, muddy, um, clearly looking like she had been attacked, broken glasses, and yet they put in their reports her hair was clean, her clothes were clean, that she looked perfect. So we argued that they obstructed justice, they intentionally missed led um, officials at the school. So uh, big story and uh, not unexpected, though, because you uh, said this from the get go, that this was going to be appealed. Uh, it was not a matter of if it was a matter of when. And the win ended up being late Friday. And so uh, you'll obviously be uh, talking about this tonight. You, you didn't have a show last night because of uh, uh, the Tar Heel coaches show, correct? Yeah, I did not have a show last night. So uh, you had not been back on the air since this uh, was breaking, heading into the weekend. And and sometimes, as we know, when things get released a late Friday afternoon, a lot of people have started their weekend plans and, and may have missed this. So you'll be uh, back covering this tonight as you have uh, since the beginning. Yeah, you know, and that was the thing. You know, I had a, had a nice, long conversation with Laura Dunn. She's the attorney up in D.C. for Jane Doe. And, you know, it, you know this was, I don't know, a good... 20, 30 minute conversation, and um, I played eight minutes of it and of the of our interview of our conversation, and it was it was uh, very telling. There were like she actually like told me things that I had no idea, like and you know, and I went to that trial every single day, and then she's telling me things behind it. I was like, I honestly had no idea, truly had no idea about you know you know the destruction of evidence yeah. and being proven that there was destruction of evidence on purpose and. I had no idea. And she goes, well, the reason you didn't know is because the judge said we couldn't use that they had destroyed evidence. <laughs> and she, So these are a lot of the things that they're appealing. She goes, I think it would have made our case a little bit better if we're finding out why you're destroying evidence. And so, yeah. But, but people forget. Don't forget. They found in favor of the young lady on everything except for the fact that CMS did it on purpose because that's that was the whole thing. Like, the violation of our Title IX rights at, were all centered around, yes, CMS did this, this, this. They were completely wrong, completely, you know, completely at fault, negligent and everything, but they didn't do it on purpose. And that was the thing where— And that was the headline. That actually. was the headline, yeah. yeah. And so—but she's like, no, we've got all this evidence. The judge will let us use it. It shows that it was on purpose. They've, she she told me, we've got the smoking gun. And I went, he wouldn't let us use it. Hence, we're appealing. Okay. I wonder in in some of those cases if the you know however the appeal ends up going, are there are there any kinds of um, repercussions that come back to that the the judge in that particular case? I know that in North Carolina we have a judicial standards commission that the governor appoints. Well, that's a great question, and because I almost I asked that very question, and so that's how I know it's a great question, and so. <laughs> He literally just said those words out loud. I asked the same question. Therefore, I know it's great. Uh, uh, but I did. I truly did ask that same question. And she, here's what she explained to me. She said, it will go through a three-panel judge, federal court appeals, federal court of appeals, Fourth Circuit up in Richmond, Virginia. They will make their arguments and everything. And if it's the appeal is granted for many different reasons that they, they can appeal on, it will immediately come back to the same courthouse within a couple of months, and she said there's a very good chance it'll be the exact same judge, and she said that is almost worse for the judge because it's like being scolded by your parents going, you did this so wrong, do it again. Uh. And they said within his peers, it's like the scarlet letter. It's the letter of shame, and 
that's why judges don't want to have to hear the same same thing twice. And she said that's a very distinct possibility. She goes, the community won't mean much, but among his peers, it will be the, the letter of shame. So uh, several things to watch today as we get closer to uh, Brett's show at 7 o'clock tonight. We've got uh, President Biden making remarks at 1130. Uh, right now, as I speak, uh, Buster Murdoch, the surviving son of, uh, of Alec Murdoch, is testifying in the murder trial in Walterboro, South Carolina. You also have Frank Reich, who is going to be holding a news conference with his new coaching staff at, an hour. at the stadium at the hour. So by the time yeah. you get on Big the air tonight... A lot, lot going on. Let me ask you guys a question, because I know very little about this case other than what I've been getting from Matt Harris. Uh, his son, the one who's testifying now, is he for or against his father? Right now he's testifying for the defense because yeah. it, the, it's, uh, it's the defense's turn at this point. Yeah, this is their first uh, witness out of the gate. So uh, Wow, first witness out of the gate. See, like you guys are telling me something I know nothing about, and that's that's pretty impressive. If that's your first witness out of the gate, that says a lot. Well, let me tell you what I know here as we uh, head out towards 10 o'clock. Uh, I know that the Brett Winterbull show is going to be great, but I know the Brett Jensen show is going to be great as well. In fact, the Brett Jensen show may be the best show on the station today. You know why I know that? Why is that? Because you were a guest first on this show. Uh, that's generally how it well works played, out. Botox. That's generally how it works out. Yeah, yeah. We're a springboard. We are. And right. we tell you the right questions to ask. The really great questions. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right, Jensen. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Vince Coakley next.